The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Kyle Reiner, Winfield United Master Agronomy Advisor, and Joel Whipperforth, Winfield United Ag Technology Application Lead. Joel, you've mentioned recently a mathematical age of ag technology. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. The mathematical age really gets into how algorithms and the data science, and even when it comes to math, computers are all about math. It's just zeros and ones, just being sorted out. And so when we talk about the mathematical age, we just literally mean the mathematics that goes into the data science, the applications, and the computing technology that we're seeing in ag technology. And I guess the differentiation comes from, I always struggled with the questions of, well, you know, are farmers starting to use technology? Well, farmers have used technology for a long time. It's just that the definition of what the technology is tends to change. When you look at the mechanistic age that lasted likely for, you know, 70 years, where we switched over from horses to tractors, that was technology. It was technology that they were adopting and combustion engines and driving a tractor rather than having a tree three-quarters of the way down the field so you could rest the mules every other pass. That was technology. So when we talk about the mathematical age, we're just talking about the, uh, the quantifying of the farm in many ways that all lead back to a technology that they're now adopting. How have tech tools evolved to what they are now? They've come a long way in the tractor, right? We used to shift, push in a clutch, shift, Joel. Now they got these computers that shift on the go and automatic transmissions, you can back up and all that stuff. So there's been a lot of combines. Nobody used to data collect anything in a combine. The monitor was in there. It was like a spaceship. Everybody looked at it. Nobody knew how to run it. Now advancements of technology, pulling the data off, you're making in-season decisions. It's all can be streamed through your iPad, field view, circle your spots where you're at different varieties, different selections, trying to figure out real-time decision. There's more technology, and maybe some of you have heard this before, there's more technology in the cab of a combine than there was on the spaceship that landed a man on the moon. And, you know, you just look at the logarithmic gains that have come from uh, the computing power that's out there. You know, I kind of see, you know, three trends kind of coming together to build this mathematical age. Number one is uh, machine learning. Number two, artificial intelligence. And, And number three, robotics. And so like aliens, artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence. See, so, so here's the test, Kyle. If you'd want to know if I was a chat bot or if I was an actual person sitting in this seat, the actual test would be called a Turing test. And artificial intelligence is all about whether or not people are able to tell if you're a computer or a real human. And artificial intelligence is being put to that test time and time again. Have you ever gotten any of those telemarketer calls where you wind up talking to the person for two or three minutes and then you realize it's a recording? All the time. (laughs) Hey, how are you? Great, how are you? No response. And then you go on for 10 minutes talking about the weather and how you ain't got no rain and it just didn't get to be the crop it was last year. I find how this evolution has come. You used to have a job like mine, you didn't use these big words, and all of a sudden now you you know it all. (laughs) Yeah, so artificial intelligence, obviously, you know, the the pass-fail there is the Turing test developed by Alan Turing in 1950. And, you know, another one is robotics. Certainly, auto steer kind of fits into the robotics age. And we're looking at the ways that, you know, you don't so much think of robots as the Honda Osimo robot that's running around doing your dishes in your house, but maybe uh, robots that are helping uh, pick vegetables on farms, uh, certainly the labor 
is a big deal out there in some of the high value uh, crops, some of the, the non-row crops. And certainly they're using robotics out there. But, you know, robotics is still inside the tractor cab running auto steer and, and helping those pieces all come together. We talked in our last episode about John Deere, the new model that they come out with really isn't anything different than on the outside aesthetically, but it's a lot of creature comforts inside, a lot more electronics and more data collection. So it's kind of weird when you think of a new model coming out, you think of something totally different looking, but it's necessarily what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. Yeah, what's on the inside really counts in that particular model. And one of the, uh, yeah, I know you know all about on what's on the inside matters. A lot. Yeah. One of the things I kind of think is interesting there is John Deere, a very storied company, recently acquired a company that has a, a lot of technical expertise in this artificial intelligence machine learning space. And in particular, their machine learning capabilities mixed in with robotics, mixed in with artificial intelligence, brings together the convergence of all three of these technologies to really make a difference. And what they're doing with the particular sequence is they're trying to run a sprayer at five miles an hour, identify the weed, and then deliver just a real quick pulse to only spray the weed with a small amount of herbicide or, in some cases, uh, salt-based fertilizer and just zap the weed but leave the intended crop in place. And they've done that on roughly 15% of the lettuce acres in the United States, but also uh, they've started to get into cotton a little bit. I know you're a cotton expert now. After, yes, I am. Uh, after our latest Deal with Yield episode on cotton. so Tune uh, in, yeah, and you'll find out. <laughs> So how are farmers leveraging decision-making tools on their operations? I think one of the tools that uh, I see farmers using is our field forecasting tool, which is a a crop model that brings about some of the in-season decision-making tools that you might need or in-season decisions that you might need. It helps take a look at water. It helps take a look at nitrogen and potassium and really runs it by the numbers to come up with a answer on what the potential return on investment would be for making one of these in-season inputs. I think the tool is really informative. I mean, it takes multiple different strategies and ideas, and it's real, right? It gives you scenarios on return on investment, different application timing windows when a crop might need either nitrogen or potassium or the combination of both. So it's a model. Every model gets better with time, but it's definitely an insight that we hadn't had before. Yeah, so that getting better with time comment that you make, you know, we actually talk about utilizing machine learning in that model, that what we're talking about is the data from the answer plots actually gets fed into the crop model algorithm, and then we compare how accurate that algorithm would have predicted the answer plot yield. And what we do is we make an adjustment to the model in there, and that's the process of the machine learning is you're introducing a uh, a training data set and then running your algorithm against it and then obviously adjusting your algorithm with that. So when we talk about machine learning, field forecasting tool uses some of those new technologies to bring a better model about that can help predict utilizing the weather forecast and what's going on in the soil, help predict what the potential return on investment from an in-season decision would be. We use the tool a couple different times in a couple fields, and our insight and our mental capacity said we had a lot of rain, and we need to apply nitrogen earlier. But the tool was saying, wait, be patient, wait, and then apply it later. And, and the tool was right. We did some precise just nitrate samples and some other things. And sometimes we just need to have patience and uh, let the tool or the model run its course. Yeah, I think when you talk about that gut instinct that you've got to go out and do things, uh, human beings are pretty good at analyzing two variables. It was wet. 
thereby we might have lost some of our nitrogen. It's a pretty common thing to feel. The difference is when you're running something with a, a simplex algorithm, you're analyzing multiple variables at the same time, including soil mineralization, soil temperature, soil moisture, Obviously, precipitation follows into that, and then crop uptake. So the mathematical age of agriculture here is really about analyzing more than two variables, analyzing multiples of variables to come back and help us understand what the best options are. So now let's go to our audience question. Kyle from Indiana asked, I read an article the other day talking about the future of AI in our world and how startups are leading the way with the boom of the Internet of Things. How do you foresee AI's place in agriculture technology's future? Well, that's a nice name, Kyle. It is a nice name. I was just going to say that. Mother must have had some good foresight on that. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I kind of think, you know, startups are these small, very nimble companies that have great ideas. And, you know, the access to technologies like artificial intelligence is all possible through the cloud. And they're really very agile in what they can continue to truth out and train their data sets through the artificial intelligence process. The interesting part about that is artificial intelligence is always going to be better if there's a ground sampling event. Okay, so what you would need to get a ground sampling event is you'd probably need Internet to a sensor somewhere in the middle of nowhere Nebraska, right? Nebraska? Yeah. and There's a lot of stuff in Nebraska. For all you folks out there in Nebraska that are listening, and you look down and you've only got one bar on your phone, imagine trying to move 20 megabytes of data up to the cloud. It might take you the next month's worth of cell service. So when we talk about Internet of Things, IoT, it literally means putting sensors out into your field and then transmitting that data back to the cloud so that it can be processed and brought into an algorithm and maybe even you know, applied to some artificial intelligence technology to, again, go back to help make a decision for your farm. And I think the opportunity is that with IoT especially is that we need to bring the rural broadband networks up to speed, which doesn't necessarily look like new technologies. It just you know looks like finding a business model where the 15 people that are out there that need the cell signal that you can actually build a cell tower for them to actually use. So I think there's some disruptive things that could come out of that. Maybe it comes from uh, producers in rural areas leasing their grain legs to cell tower companies. It could come from companies like Microsoft who are researching things called white space, which is a way out there idea of using the unused UHF, VHF channels to broadcast Internet over long distances. And, you know, what they really have to figure out is that trade-off between the cost of the technology and how many people are going to use it in those areas. And that's the place that IoT will really have a chance to make an impact on the farm, especially since you can mix that sensor back into the cloud and apply it to the algorithms to use the other technologies. I'm sure there's going to be hundreds and thousands of them, these models and technologies that are brought out, and maybe one or two sticks. So we have to be optimistic that there's going to be something out there that brings us to the next level, and I'm excited to see what it is. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with our hosts, Kyle Reiner, Master Agronomy Advisor, and Joel Whipperforth, Ag Technology Applications Lead. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. 